you have to take on a position that warrants making more money. But the there are certain jobs that just you're going to outgrow like McDonald's pays minimum wage because it's not designed for you to be there until you retire. Right. It's just not. It's not a mastery position. Right. So you can start there, build a foundation, and then your job in life is to keep adding tools to your tool belt so you can increase the value of your worth so that you can command a higher rate of pay. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. <laughs> and doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, mindful all of this. the stuff. <laughs> So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle. And I'm Eddie. And this is episode number 56. Did you know that? 56? 56. What's what's 56? What kind of relevancy is 56? Um, There's 56 nothings. Nothing. No. Yeah. So back to episode 56, irrelevant uh, number. <laughs> today we're going to talk to you about knowing your worth and how to negotiate your value. You said that very much like a, like it's a talk show. It like, is. This to- is a show. <laughs> welcome to the Push Podcast. I'm your host, Janelle. You are the other host. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Yeah. So you're you had speaking a what- very much like it's your first time on the Push Podcast. I know. I'm so close. So you had a what in the world. Tell oh, us about it. Now you want to get back on track? Yeah. Get us Stay okay. focused, lady. So my what in the world hopefully stings some of you. Oh. It's like for those people that complain about everything, mm-hmm. that you think like everything in your day is supposed to go perfectly as planned. And I just want to, like I've shared this many times with you guys before, Eddie and I just don't give a shit about a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. But there's something that happened today. I want to share the story. And I just, I want to encourage some of you Because when this was happening to me, I thought of maybe five good close friends and family members that would probably share this story all day long and be upset about this interaction. Okay, so the other day I went to Home Goods and I bought a bunch of stuff because we just remodeled our bathroom. What a freaking blessing, right? And I'm just telling you, like, I move about the world and my daily activities just blessed. If someone cuts me off, I don't give a shit because maybe they give a shit less. Maybe they were (laughs) driving to a job interview and they haven't worked in three years. Maybe their kid got sick at school. Like, I don't know. So I'm just going to let you go. So I go to Home Goods and I get this cashier and she was pretty pleasant. And she said, I said, you know, I just want to thank you so much for your positive energy. And she goes, oh, it's the only way to be. She said, honey. I'm a teacher and I interact with a bunch of Mm five-year-olds on Zoom. And so I love human interaction and I just love the stuff that you're buying and blah, blah, blah. She just found so much joy in what she was doing working at Home Goods, right? I'd say it's probably a minimum wage job. You're just wrapping my stuff in, in paper. She goes, so how's your day going? And I said, well, here's the thing. About 41 million people don't have homes right now and I'm shopping at Home Goods. I'm good. Like, I just am so blessed to be able to buy 
soap racks and loofahs and stupid shit at home goods, right? right? And towels. And so, yeah, I don't have anything to complain about. And the reality is, do I? Yeah. You guys don't know, but there's a lot of shit going on in the background with my my family, just things. So I have things to complain about, but it doesn't really help, right? right. And so um, she goes, yeah, I just don't, I don't spend too much time when people don't have good energy. I'm just like, oh, I'm going to pray for them. And I was like, oh God, me too. So this was the other day. Now I bought $150 worth of towels. Want to know why? <laughs> because we haven't bought towels since I was 20. Like right. When you and I got married, I brought these towels to our house and I've owned them since I was almost a teenager. And so our towels are kind of janky and whatever. So it's time for new towels. Mm -hmm. What do you do that every 20 years, right? <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going to go ham. I'm going to buy a bunch of $7.99 towels and I'm going to restock my cabinets to match my new bathroom. Just get rid of all of those. What a ones. blessing, yeah. right? So I have nothing to be angry about. Long story short, here's a little tidbit for you. Buy your towels from Costco because they're way more luxurious <laughs> And although towels at Home Goods might look really, really cute, and everyone in our house voted for Home Goods, I made the executive decision as the matriarch of this family to take all the shitty towels back today to Home Goods. And I just went ham at Costco. They were the same exact price, $7.99. And we have luxury towels. Every one of the girls has got out of the shower and said, These towels are really great. Yeah, well, you little bitch, those are not the ones that you voted on. But you're lucky that I made the decision. And you know what? I had I used a towel. And you loved and, it. And it was great. I even folded it up and made it a pillow. Yeah, I'm because it's so fluffy. <laughs> it's, so, it's very fluffy. Very right. absorbent as okay, well. Okay, fast forward. I swear there's a point to this. <laughs> there's lots of points in this. I hope you're catching them. So I go today and I go to the Home Goods in Glendora near our house. And this guy helps me. And his initials are JT, like Justin Timberlake. I'll just throw it out there. So he's nice bringing enough. Sexy back. He's nice enough. Enough. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he wasn't the same interaction I got with the other lady, but I don't care, right? Right. I just need you to process this return. So I walk in with four bags of towels and whatever. So um, he goes, oh, okay. Not sure if I'm going to be able to help you because this was in purchase at our store. Mm, pretty sure you can. So he goes, oh, okay, whatever. So he starts to like process the return. He's taking a really long time to scan everything, but I'm not impatient, even though I have places to go, whatever. He's doing his thing. And then halfway through scanning 18 items, he says, oh, my God, my computer froze. This computer does this all the time. It's such a hassle. And I'm just thinking to myself. unloading like all right, his frustrations. I'm thinking to myself, like, why did they put him on this register then? Like, yeah. if you know this happens all the time, it's not convenient for you, for me, for anyone, whatever. I'm just going to sit here. You know why? Because I start to think. God is saving me from a car accident right now. Like mm -hmm. if I try to push where I'm supposed to be and make everybody on my time frame, bad shit's going to happen to me. So if I'm supposed to sit right here and just be patient <laughs> with JT, that's what I'm going to do. Right. Okay. So I do that. So then he scans it again. And I'm trying to now at this point, we're maybe 10 minutes in or so, 12 minutes in. I'm trying to grab all of the towels, put all of the tags facing forward. So all he has to do is just quickly stand there and just scan, Right. So he processes a return and he's like, okay, $101 is going to go back. And I'm like doing the math. Mm, no, bro. I bought a ton of towels at $7.99. That doesn't seem right, right? $101. And so I'm returning 18 items, all of which are over like almost eight bucks. And so 
I'm doing some math and he's just like, oh yeah, hit the accept button. And I'm like, okay, he's kind of rushing me. I feel like maybe he knows he made a mistake, but whatever. It's my responsibility to just either catch it or not, right? So I could have let him maybe rush me off. I know so many people that would say that. Well, he was just rushing me. Uh, Well, it's my money. So I have to stop you from rushing Mm -hmm. me, right? So I said, hey, before I go, I just want to count these because it just doesn't add up for me. And he's like, okay, well, you know, I returned everything. He's not having an attitude or anything, but I said, okay, well, let me just count. So I count the line items he gave me. There were only 14 things on there. I'm returning 18. So he missed four things that I didn't get my money back for. I don't care. I just want my money back, right? Right. So he goes to scan it. The computer crashes again. He goes, oh, this register always does it. And I'm just thinking like, this is so inefficient, (laughs) For this poor guy to be doing his job, why is he on register two, right? (laughs) And this is unfortunate for me, but again, who cares? Whatever. Yeah. So I said, okay, these are the SKUs that you missed. So I pull the four because he couldn't figure it out. I said, these are the SKUs that you missed. So if you want to just go ahead, actually, I'm going to make things really simple for you. Put them on a gift card because I'm getting ready to spend that money right now. Just put it on a gift card. So it was close to $40. And I took my $40 gift card. I went, spent it, and that's it. That's the end of the story. The issue is that I know so many people that that would have pissed them off and they would have shared that story a hundred times. Right. This stupid guy, not saying you're stupid, JT, but they would have said <laughs> things like, you know, this stupid guy doesn't even know how to count, do da 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 da, basic math, you know, that's what's wrong with these millennials, like so many complaints, right? Right. He would have taken $40 from me. He was trying to rush me. All of that to me is like victim mentality. To me, if I feel like you're shortchanging me, it's my responsibility to stand up for myself. But you if know I what feel it is, like though, you're right? rushing me, it's my responsibility to advocate for myself and say, hold on, I need a minute, right? If I feel like you're doing your job inefficiently, the thing is, it doesn't really impact me. It's going to hinder you. Like you're going to be a cashier right. 25 years from now because you don't know how to do an effective job. That's not a me problem. That's a you problem. So why would I be mad at you? But you know why people get mad, right? Why? People get mad at those types of situations because it's the cherry on top for them. Mm-hmm. It's, They're I'm already, already mad at something. I'm already upset. I'm already dissatisfied about life. I'm already dealing with the frustrations that maybe things are not panning out the way I wanted them to pan out today mm-hmm. for the week or for the month. And what ends up happening is they take a small interaction like that, that is a human interaction, mm-hmm. right? I'm sure at some point, those same people who get very upset about those things have made same type of mistakes Absolutely. or they've made a catastrophic mistake right. and have hoped that someone has some a bit of a grace because they know that you, he's not intentionally trying to right. steal four he items trying from you. To, he didn't gain anything bucks, right? by not giving me my $40. So it's just important. like when If you're out there right now and you're listening to this and you find yourself worked up about something that's very small, you have to say, okay, is it this moment? Is it this thing right mm-hmm. here? Or is it something about me? Here's a question I ask myself often. Is this a me problem? Am I the problem? <laughs> because I maybe I was the problem. Like right. I was the problem returning all this stuff. It was too much for you right now. So you know what? Let me take some responsibility. I'm going to organize these really well. I'm going to count these for you. Now, I know a lot of people that would say that's not my job. Well, it is mm-hmm. if it's your money and right. someone else is struggling. So the point of this is one Don't let things like this ruin your whole day. I actually got a kick out of it because I was like, oh, I saved myself $40. Right. 
it was my money, but I still advocated for myself. I saved it and I'm not mad at him. Like he did the best job he could. If my computer kept crashing, I'd be pissed too. And I'd probably be really inefficient. Right? I think I think people are okay with outsourcing responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like it's his responsibility right. to get it right. Yeah, he, he was shares. Rude. He didn't know. Right. He shares yeah. the responsibility mm-hmm. of doing his job well. But it's your but so responsibility you. to make sure that, hey, I'm going to read my receipt. I'm going to see. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't take that responsibility. I don't. I can't tell you right. every time I read my receipt. I'm pretty we sure. We don't even I've check got, our bank statements. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure someone has cheated me out of a return at right. some point because I'm. I don't really pay attention to right. it. But it's not their fault. It's yours it's for not mine. checking. Right. And so I think that those are things that I think you have to start looking at. The frustrations, the things that piss you off, that set you off over the top. Mm-hmm. And you got to say, am I outsourcing responsibility here? Like it could be it's his fault. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's still your responsibility to right. make sure that you got everything accounted for. And so the reason this is important because is because the Push podcast is designed to give you different perspectives about life so that you can push through things that are small and minor and minute But I just want to ask you, would you let something like that really piss you off and ruin your day? I know you're going to say no, but it's probably because the way I asked you the question. So just as you're moving about life, ask yourself like, okay, this isn't my fault, but could it be my responsibility? Could I make this interaction a little more pleasant? So that's my what in the world. So just so that we get this clear, because I was mesmerized by the number 56, right? Because this is episode 56. Why? And so I just Googled, right? The importance of the number 56. Okay. And you know what came up? No, I don't. Honestly. Almost nothing. But what Jesus is very Christ. significant came up is that the number, is, is, this is important. Well, it symbolizes it teamwork, coexistence, family, relationships, adventure, and expression of freedom. 56. Thank you for that. Yeah. If it would have told you some other shit, I wonder if you'd be excited about that too. <laughs> so moving on, today we're going to talk to you about knowing your worth and how to navigate <laughs> navigate yeah. your value. Wait, sorry. Navigate. No. Novocate. <laughs> Novocaine? <laughs> knowing your worth and how to negotiate your value. Mm. The reason this is important is because you always hear so many people like complain about, you know, I'm not being paid what I think that I deserve. Yep. Especially in the business world, like a lot of creators, creative women, I will say, we devalue like our worth and we like want to close the sale so bad that we'll be like, oh, well, how much do you want to pay for this? Right. Mm -hmm. But this particular topic is relevant for anyone who's ever applied for a job and tried to negotiate your salary because our oldest daughter, Jasmine, she's 19. We had so many great conversations with her this week She's looking for a job. She's been interviewing. And even the companies that she doesn't want to work for, um, that she applied to out of desperation, we told her she had to go on those interviews because it's good practice. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the first lesson. What are you doing to be in practice of something that will make you better? And sometimes you are highly qualified Mm -hmm. and you have a tremendous amount of skill sets, but you are awful with telling a story. You're awful in the interview settings. And you have to realize that in that process, someone's assessing your value based on what they're telling you. And based they may, on your ability to articulate, yeah. that's and they part may of the negotiation. Hire, they may hire you, but because of your interview, they're like, we're going to offer you this. Right. Okay. So there's a couple of things. Number one, I haven't been on an interview in a very long time because I've owned my own business, Right. right? So if I had the opportunity to be interviewed, I'd probably at this point be a little nervous and feel like, oh my God, honey, I need you to mock interview me. 
because I don't know that I would really be exceptional. I'm out of practice, right? right. And then nextly, nextly, is that a word? Remember <laughs> when my sister, Jessica, worked or lived with us, she had just finished nursing school. She was applying, just like our daughter's applying. And we were doing mock interviews with her. And we were like, no, answer like this. Nope, don't say that, say this. Mm -hmm. So we were totally preparing her. She went right out of nursing school, applied for this like management position, nailed the friggin' interview, and then wound up being way in over her head. Yeah. So I want to talk to you about the fact that you could over practice, be over prepared, but you still have to be the you one show up. like <laughs> you still got to know, oh, shit, am I really qualified yeah. for this? Right. So that's important that you understand we're not just like giving everybody the answers to the questions. Yeah. Um, we really want you to be prepared for what you're signing up for. We're also talking about this because Copeland Inc., our online business coaching business, is hiring. We're looking yeah. for a virtual assistant. It's basically like an executive personal assistant, but you're virtually working from home just like the rest of the world right now. We need you to do basic tasks online, right? Like scheduling, managing, calendar, yeah. uh, tasks, like organization understanding certain stuff, systems right? that help operate learning the business. Yeah. systems that you might not be familiar with but that's how we function our job but those are basic requirements for any job that you go to like right. if you started working for target tomorrow you don't know how to use their pos system you're gonna have to learn that shit right mm -hmm. so we don't so much care about the systems we care about what you can bring to the team yeah. So do you have a great, strong personality? Are you a great person with excited ideas? Do you articulate yourself well? Do you have enthusiasm while you're being interviewed? So we interviewed a couple of people for these positions. And then we job offered one of them, let's just say. And let's just say she was like, oh, I'm not really happy with making that per hour. And I was like, okay, well, based on the position, this is kind of like a lot, like what we're <laughs> offering. We need you to do basic stuff. Like you right. guys, I'm talking systems like managing PayPal invoices, like, you know, updating stuff on maybe Facebook, like basic kind of stuff. And so people were, two people were like, oh, I think the position's not paying enough. Yeah. And, and, and it was interesting is that they didn't just say, hey, they just basically all they said was, oh, I want to make more. Right. Right. They didn't necessarily negotiate. And so right. I want to make that really clear. They just said, oh, I was I was anticipating more. Let me just be real clear. That's not negotiating. That's not. Negotiating is. That's also not advocating for yourself. Right. That's not right. selling yourself. Absolutely. That's not, you're not convincing someone you're worth it. Right. You're not presenting any type of facts or any type of skills or anything that you can bring to the table that makes someone say, oh, wow, I didn't capture that in your right. interview. That's something for us to really think about. Let us go think about that. And so before we really get into that, I want to ask you, what do you think the fears of people, what fears do people have around negotiating? Well, the first thing I think that people need to know, you, our friends, our listeners, is that when you go on a job interview, your sole purpose is to sell yourself, Yep. period. And so we were teaching our daughter, like, talk about the fact that you grew up in a family business. Talk about the fact that customer service has been ingrained in you since you were eight, Talk about the fact that even though it's not job experience, you know how to mop a floor. You know how to, even if these are not qualifications that Target might be looking for, this will demonstrate your work ethic. Right, your right? value. Right. And so then we're also talking to her about at the end of the interview, your last question should be, 
Is there any feedback that you can provide for me? How do you think the interview went? Did I do okay? Like, just ask those questions. Why? Because most people are too freaking scared and they want the interview to be over and they want to run out of there. But asking the interviewer, hey, how did I do? Do you have any like constructive feedback for me? Is there anything that you think that I didn't convey in this interview that you might be looking for in a candidate? It gives you that last little push to have a conversation with someone who's going to be making a decision of whether you're a good enough candidate. Yeah. And that's he, part of negotiating though. I, yeah. And I think that telling yourself. I think that also when you when you finish something like that, when you think about presenting yourself, a good question also is what could I expect in in, in this position that we didn't cover in these questions? Right. And because what happens is is that the person interviewing is usually reading an interview sheet basically that has questions on it that they're supposed to ask. And then there's a reality to the position that maybe that person has a disconnect with when it comes to the question. Mm -hmm. Asking that question will allow someone to go, oh, wow. Well, one of the things you can expect Mm-hmm. And like Jasmine dealt with this, one of the things you can expect is is very little customer interaction, mm-hmm. being able to have to be self-motivated mm-hmm. and also knowing that you're going to have to work with your peers and your peers are going to have different expectations of what they do for their work. Uh, your Whatever. peers are going to have different attitudes. And so what that allows you to do is to say, oh, wow, okay, one of the things that I've done in the past is this, this, and this. And you start to explain how you can fit into that reality mm-hmm. and that increases your value. But or when- how you can't. Like you could say, for me, someone like what you just described, oh, you're going to really not have a ton of interaction with customers. That's kind of a deal breaker for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, You're going to have to work independently on your own. I kind of like working in a team, right? Right. So part of negotiating is identifying like, oh, this isn't really a good fit for me too, right? What, but that's a perfect for I wanted to talk So if on. you told me that, I'd say, oh, wow, you know, that's, that's a little alarming for me because I really excel in customer service. Right. And, you know, the, that's really where I wanted to go with that is what people have to realize, and if you're listening to this and you're trying to get more money for, in your career, mm-hmm. you're trying to you know, maybe in, negotiate in, in business, the reality is, is a high performer is always interviewing the business or the company right. that they're trying to join. And it's a two-way street. Right. And so what Janelle just said is so important. If I'm a high performer and I'm a, let's just say, I feel like I'm an executive level, or maybe I just feel like, hey, my aspirations are, are to, to get to that level, I'm not just going to give what I'm not just going to take what you give me. I'm interviewing you to see am I going to be be in a situation where my skills are going to be suited best in Correct. the position that you're trying to offer me. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times like with our daughter, like she was willing to accept whatever right. because obviously this is like her second or third job. Yeah, she also has no experience. It's just no experience. Someone so, like me though, I will tell you like if you guys were hiring for whatever company I strongly believe that I would be a valuable asset to any organization based on my perspective, my positive attitude, my ability to work in a team, based on my hard work ethic. And right? you may have just as many questions for them as they oh, have I'm for you. Oh, I'm going to have tons of questions, and right? So, and so that right there, when you're asking really tough questions, mm-hmm. it raises your value. It does. Because people go, oh, wow, this person... They, they're no dummy. They're no dummy. They're they're what well, they're I, here to play. Now I feel like I'm selling this job right. to them. She wants to contribute, <laughs> right. right? So here were a couple of issues um, this week while we were interviewing potential team members, right? 
So one girl says, you know, okay, well, I'd like to accept the offer. It's a little lower than I thought. And I said, okay, well, sell me on why you think it should be worth more. Well, that's the going rate. And uh, okay, that's not a solid answer, right? So then I start negotiating. I'll tell you what, I'll offer you what I feel is fair based on the fact that I don't know you. I don't know what you're capable of. And then in 90 days, which, you know, we're going to be in contact every single day. You're my personal assistant. Right. But in 90 days, we'll sit down and reevaluate a potential $5 increase. That's a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm going to be bouncing ideas off of you. I'm going to be waiting for your contribution. Like I'm looking for someone personally and professionally who can contribute more than I care about like your ability to maneuver through online systems, right? Yeah. What I said many, many, many times was, listen, this is a position. We're not the kind of company that just wants to hire someone to fill a position. We're making sure that this is a good fit. We are a good fit for you. So if you are looking for employers who want to push you to grow, if you're looking for the opportunity to leverage your resourcefulness, if you're looking for the opportunity to grow and learn about systems and softwares that you probably don't know about, 90 days from now, even if you decide to walk away, you're going to be way in way better of a position to uh, garner the wage that you're trying to negotiate with me. What do you say? And she said, yeah, I think that's great. So I sold her on the fact that in 90 days I'd be willing to work with her, right? Right. Let's reevaluate. So she decided she was up for the challenge and then she trained for two weeks and then said, you know, this is just way more than I thought. Right, she was in over her head. Right, which is great and I respect that. I applaud that. I appreciate if you're listening right now, this is not a dig on you. This is hopefully, (laughs) this is hopefully to help other people. You negotiated with me saying you wanted, you were commanding more. I negotiated with you and convinced you to give it a shot. And then you wound up saying, this is way too much for me. I'm not prepared. I I don't know how to do this. So had I just said, okay, I'm going to throw money at you, I would have made a bad investment as an employer. Let's just back up. So rewind a little bit. And and, and, and I think this is what, what, so for people who are listening, if you're listening to this- This is like my sister though, right? If you're trying to negotiate something, right? Know your boundaries. Know your boundaries. But here's the thing. Here's how, where she fell short. She didn't do her homework. Right. Right. It, there's no here's there's no negotiating out there if you don't know the company. OK. If she was to say, hey, I've I watched your guys's videos. Mm-hmm. I listened to your podcast. Mm-hmm. I understand what you guys are I trying to do. I see what you're doing on social I see, media. Yeah, I see what you're doing on social media. I feel like I can step in. I can really help you right. with these things. Here are some ideas. Here are some I ideas. Have. And so I appreciate the generous offer, mm-hmm. but what I'm planning on doing, I feel like I'm going to help your business. Right. I'm so bringing so much to the table. Yeah. I'm willing to hear other offers that you have in mind. Right. And here's one of the key things about negotiating is the person, you have to put the ownership on the employer mm-hmm. to give you a different uh, rate or right. whatever the pay is. You don't want to throw out a number because you have no idea if right. you're too short mm-hmm. or, or maybe if you're too high. So if she would have said, well, I was thinking more like, 20 to $18 an hour. And we were thinking, well, well, just on based on what you just told us, right. we're willing to pay you 25. Right. Sold. Right. Right. So you almost have to say, I'm willing to hear different offers mm-hmm. if you have, if you have it in mind. Okay. So that brings me back to, well, there's a couple things that you hit right there. My sister, Jessica, the example I gave you initially was she hit the interview out of the park, negotiated a good salary, was in over her head. That's what happened to this right. girl. 
So having the ability to go back, be honest, quickly rip off the Band-Aid and say, hey, here's the thing. I decided to move on. It's not a good fit for me. I'm so sorry. Thank you for the opportunity. It is what it is. Move on. And luckily, that's what our girl did. So thank you for that. Yeah. The next thing I want to talk to you about, though, is negotiating a salary. So Jasmine goes, she does an interview for two places and she winds up saying, oh, my God, I got the job. And I'm like, (laughs) that's awesome. What's your rate of pay? And she's like, I don't know yet. What? (laughs) But I start tomorrow. What? (laughs) Girl, I said, all you have to say is, "Okay, can we talk about compensation? Right. Right. So like, let's say that it's Target and they say, oh, we're going to start you at $14 an hour. Uh, we trained her to say, okay, perfect. Is that negotiable? Why do you think she didn't? Jasmine? Yeah. Because she hasn't worked in nine months and she was excited to she, just get yeah, an offer. But most people don't right. because they feel like they're going to ruin their relationship if I ask about money. Or you're going to ruin the opportunity. Yeah. And that's, that's just, so a, there's it's a, just way, a fallacy. Like it's if not... someone says, oh, hey, you know, welcome to the team. We want to offer you $14 an hour or $30,000 a year, whatever it is. And you say, That's so awesome. I'm really humbled by your generous offer. However, is it negotiable? Right. Okay. Damn. You just put that back on the employer. Right. But also you, that's when you have to present what you know. Right. Right. Okay. So again, back to Jasmine, is that negotiable? Because based on my experience, based on the fact that I've been in the food industry, based on the fact that I have five years of customer service, based on the fact that I grew up in a family business based on the fact, right? So you're just spewing out all of these facts. Right. I'd like to know if that's negotiable. Yeah. I would love to hear other offers you have. Yeah. Well, (laughs) shit. If I'm interviewing you, I'm like, this little girl, like she's coming correct. Right. I definitely am willing to pay her more than someone who is going to probably require a lot for me to pull them out of their shell I'm going to probably see that maybe another candidate can't advocate for themselves as well as maybe our daughter. So these are all things that you can't be afraid to ask, you know, hey, can we negotiate that? Yeah. And I think what what ends up happening as well is that people don't see themselves as highly valued. Mm-hmm. They feel like they're doing the job. The person who's hiring them is doing them a favor. Mm-hmm. Right. Here's the thing. They are looking for help. Right. You were doing them a favor right. by coming correct and being well qualified. The person offering you a job, and that's and here's the thing. That's a hard thing to think think about because I think any job you think, oh my God, they're doing me a favor, they're hiring me. Well, I don't like but, the word favor, so right. I disagree. Right. But here's the thing. No, they're not what I'm saying is is that I think oftentimes the person who's interviewing gets the job. And they're so overwhelmed that they have been accepted. Mm-hmm. They're forgetting the fact that the employer was looking for help. Right, right. Right. You're not feeling you're solving a problem from them. Correct. And so they're willing to to pay you for solving that problem. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is present the fact that you can solve bigger problems, right. which will require a bigger rate of pay. Mm-hmm. And I think people need to understand that. And a lot of it has to do with your self-esteem and how you see yourself right. as a person of value. I see myself as a tremendous value right. and because asset you can, you to feel, Not only do you see yourself as a, as a person of value, you see yourself as a person as a game changer. Right. Right. You're Once you get there, you're going to make an impact on the entire environment. Can I just tell you, though, like, because I don't want people to hear this and think like, oh, she's got a ton of confidence and I'm not like that. Let me tell you. 
when I was in my 20s, I interviewed for a management position that, by the way, I was recruited for, okay? I was recruited for because I had a good track record with another company, but the person that interviewed me, the decision maker, wasn't quite sure because I didn't really have the experience that another candidate had. You showed more upside than experience. Right. So what they did, though, these two managers, who shall remain anonymous, who we're still (laughs) friends with to this day, wound up placing a wager on one on me, one bet on me and said, I like her personality. She seems like she'll learn. She's a go-getter. The other one who I have a little bit of salt in my voice for (laughs) towards decided he wanted to hire the more qualified candidate because she had more experience than I did, but didn't have the personality that I did. So the bet was... And and can't you say this? Not personality, upside. Like you show the ability that you can go further. I would learn. Yeah, you had a larger cap. I would impact people. I'd get them excited, right? She didn't possess that, but she had all the knowledge that I didn't have. In this particular industry, it was consumer electronics and I knew how to use my cell phone and that was it. This other person knew all about home theater systems and washing machines and all this shit that was super intimidating for me, but I knew about leadership and people skills and soft skills, right? So anyways, these two managers, you guys, decided that they were going to place a literal wager (laughs) and hire both of us and have us compete for the one position. Right. So I find this out and it sets me on fire. And I'm like, I will beat her. I will beat her by any means necessary. I wound up leaving this job every day for a week crying because I literally didn't know anything about appliances Mm -hmm. or computers or whatever. And then I decided to get my shit together and spend my days off at The Good Guys, which was a competitor learning everything I could about home theater systems and computers and blah, 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 so that I could gain a little bit more confidence and feel like I could start letting my personality and my skills and attributes shine through while maybe answering some questions, right? Yeah. And And I killed her. Yeah. Like not (laughs) Not, literally murdered her, (laughs) but I did murder her. I outshined this other candidate. I wanted it so bad, mostly because I knew that the odds were stacked against me. So I want you to understand that. Like I wasn't born with tons of confidence. I was the underdog in that situation. And I was like, I'll be damned if I'm going to lose this. I want this more. And I'm usually more hungry than anybody that I get put against. So I'm going to beat you every time because I won't take no for an answer. And here's the thing. A couple things. One, we live in a, in a place in, in a country where value is invisible, mm-hmm. right? And you can name your price and people can choose not to or they can buy it, right? Mm-hmm. So we're watching a show the other day and I'm going to get back to what you just what the story you just talked about. Okay. We're watching a show the other day about home improvement. Mm-hmm. So this lady is doing these kitchen makeovers. Loved it. Right? And then she starts getting really good. And so then she starts doing full house remodels, home, remodels mm-hmm. right? And so she's going to these antique stores mm-hmm. where basically they collect oh all of these like old relics, artifacts, ra- art- mm-hmm. artifacts, and that don't necessarily they're not like hey this has been manufactured yesterday and I know how much it costs mm-hmm. and so so the value is very arbitrary it's right. like whatever I think it is uh huh so this she, was a cabinet from China from yeah, the and 18th they could be century da 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 I mean the shit looked old it looked but old, whatever yeah and so, so then so, so she said how much for this he goes. 3,600. Yeah. He just picks a number out of thin 
fucking well, you don't air. know that. Well, but what I'm saying is, okay. is either way, whether or not he followed the trends of something that is a one-of-a-kind uh-huh. antique and okay. said, no, he didn't. He okay. just made up a price. You don't know that, but okay, go okay, ahead. Okay, well, Make your point. somebody made up a price. Okay, $3,600. Yeah, so someone made up a price and she goes, Oh, I, can I get my discount? And so then he lowers it by half. He goes eighteen hundred. Eighteen hundred bucks. She goes, okay, sold. Right, which taught me over, which I've learned before because of you, that you if you name your price and you know your value, someone's going to be willing to pay for Somebody it. Somebody will. Right. So there's one time that we're we're together, mm-hmm. we're laying in bed. Uh huh. You know, twenty years, whatever, how many years ago? Fifteen years ago. Okay. And you sit there <laughs> and you ask. Our boss. Okay, wait. Time out because no, you're not I, telling the story I, right. Wait, hold on. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to I'm that. I'm going to let you finish. We worked for the same company, Eddie and I. Right. We had the same bosses. The two right. guys that put me and the other girl that were competing against each other that I wasn't right. supposed to know about, but I did. I found out that the other girl made $30,000 more than I did. And I was on fire about that. So that was right. one of the reasons why I was like, oh, I'm going to bury and destroy this woman. Right. right. But you didn't but go I and never complain. said anything. I right. never complained. You outperformed. I outperformed her ass. Okay. Can, I, and can we just, now, that's important. Like sometimes people hear about other people making more money and they mm-hmm. don't realize this is a capitalistic society, right? right? Some people are going to do yeah. the same job as you and make more yep. because they just valued themselves at a greater right. rate, right? Or someone else saw them as more valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they could be wrong. Right. Like you proved them wrong. So right? when you and I started dating, it was very important to me that we did not discuss our pay. Why? We did the same exact job. Right. You had started from the bottom with this company, worked your way up. Yep. I was an outside recruit. So I already yep. knew I made more money than you. Well, at the time we made the same. Okay. Well, and so, then you said. So what's the number one thing I tell our kids about asking questions? Uh, closed mouths don't get fed. Okay. Right. Have I That's- ever had a closed mouth? Well, no, everyone okay. knows that. If you listen to the podcast, you know, never has a close Okay. So, <laughs> but here's, here's the thing. So, she asked for a $10,000 raise. Okay. Not because it was her birthday, not because it was a Christmas bonus, just mm-hmm. because it was a Wednesday and she felt I'm worth more. Yeah. Right? Well, because it, I had me, outperformed. I know. Okay. I'm just being funny. Uh-huh. But she's outperformed mm-hmm. her, her current My competitor. Rate thing, right. For me, I'm coming from a place I worked, like you said, I worked all my mm-hmm. up. I was grateful for the money that right. I was getting That's because I had never seen that money before. Right. And I didn't understand that you can ask for more money. Well, I'm right? sorry and your I, mom didn't teach and, you And that. I would say that I was a high-performing manager. You right? were. We teamed, you were up really and we, did, we teamed up and did a lot mm-hmm. of amazing things. And then she gets the call back and says, yeah, we got it approved. We got you to $10,000. And I'm laying right next to her. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What is happening? I'm like, what, you don't universe- really want to know. You shouldn't yeah. ask questions. You know, it might cause an argument. Da, 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 da. It didn't cause an argument. Right. But the reality was <laughs> with one question, one request and negotiation skills right. and a track record to back it up, I got a call and saying you were- I got a $10,000 Right. Raise. And here's the thing. I want to remember this. On a Wednesday. This. She wasn't fearless that she was going to ruin in a relationship. Nope. Right. Because it doesn't happen that way. You think, and I feel that sometimes, like if yeah. I ask for money, will these people look at me wrong? Mm-hmm. No, the reality is, is they're going to see that you feel like you're worth something right. and you're not going to do it in a disrespectful way, right. but you're going to do it in a way that's about business. Right. And and I think that that was something that taught me like, oh, wow. And so what I did like the next week, I was like, hey, I want to take All a right. position for $10,000 mm-hmm. more. Okay. But, so with that said, though, I hope you got a kick out of that story because that's totally true. 
Um, but with that said, I want to let you know that there are going rates for certain positions because, for example, I have owned and managed the Cake Mamas for 10 years. It's a food industry, food service position, right? There's no way that even if you had a culinary pastry degree and you trained and with the most, the world's most world-renowned pastry chefs, there's no way that my small family business could afford to pay you $40 an hour just because you felt that that's what you were worth. And can we just be clarify that? Okay. It doesn't necessarily mean that that, that that job or that function won't pay forty dollars. Just you're not just at not a paying small business, that. right? Right. right. I, like you're so not valuing that much. So if you want to make forty dollars an hour in the food service industry, that's like a mm, better go to Vegas. Luck. Go to you, Vegas. And you get your name on a, a top-notch, you know, <laughs> chef. But and make a lot everybody knows food service kind of sucks because you go, you get a culinary degree, pastry degree, whatever. And most bakeries are just not able to sell pastries for $25 per croissant to right. be able to pay their employees $40 an hour, $20, $30 an hour, plus benefits, time off, retirement, 401k. It's just not something that that particular industry commands right. or warrants, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to be very, very, very clear that when you're negotiating a salary, like I asked for $10,000 more because I, I found out that managers that worked for the same company made more than I was offered. I was definitely right. lowballed. So I asked for a $10,000 raise and then I asked for more money after that, right? right? But that's because it was like apparent that I was lowballed, mm -hmm. right? If you're working at a Target, let's just say, and you make $15 an hour and you didn't do a good job during the interview process of negotiating your salary and making sure that you landed a position that warranted higher compensation, then you can't really complain about that. Yeah, right? and, yeah Because absolutely. I want to be very clear that some statistic like 85% of Americans think that they are underpaid for what they do. Right. If you work at Starbucks and your job is to help customers and make coffee, do you wish you made $30 an hour because you're interacting with more Karens in a day than you wish that you had to? Of course. The reality is Starbucks is not paying $30 an hour to make coffee. And, and let me and let me just clarify that too, because I think that's so important. Like you're paid based on what the market can bear. Right. Right. And so if you're and, not paid based on the no. cost of living has gone up and bread's more expensive. If I now. work at this Starbucks and I make $15 and it's a slow Starbucks and then I work at down the street, that's a fast paced Starbucks. I'm getting paid the same because I'm doing the same work. I'm just having to do it more, more. Right. Right. And so it's important for you to know that yeah, you have to make sure you're, you're not going crazy and being unreasonable with the with your negotiation. You have to realize is, is that okay, though the work that I'm doing, am I easily replaced? And what I mean by that is if and this is not a knock on anyone that that works for Starbucks or for Target, but if I work for Target and I'm I'm hanging clothes onto a hanger or onto a, a, mm -hmm. in the, in the merchandising area. How, can I easily find someone to do that job? Yes. Yes. Because it doesn't take a certain skill set to right. do that. Now, what happens is, is that if it's easy to replace, then it lowers the the price of what that, that particular role pays. When you get into situations where you're harder to replace, mm -hmm. the negotiation changes, but also the pay changes completely. So right? I want to so clarify, if I, if I say that, like... I bring something to the table that no one else can bring. And mm -hmm. I'm able to define that. I'm able to articulate that. Mm -hmm. And I'm taking on a role that 
the talent and skill it's you know it's endless on what you can do mm-hmm. then i'm going to get paid more because well of let that. me give you an example taking what you said about the target like hey i work in the clothing department i'm putting stuff on hangers i'm cleaning out the dressing room like that's going to warrant only you know whatever let's, yeah, let's say market. 17 bucks an hour right. is the max that they'd be willing to pay somebody for that right and i was really clear that's not that's wage. not your that's not the value that's not right. your internal that's value not your i'm value. not devaluing that's the job you you're a, choosing to right. do that's paying your bills it's right? the job not right. your internal value right yeah so now let's just say that you are also a marketing student in mm-hmm. college And you're learning so much about, well, let's just say human resources. You're learning about hiring and interviewing and training. And so now you start to take on more of a role and like, hey, Eddie, we hired these new seasonal people. And you're like, I'd love to welcome them in with open arms. Like, I'd like to take point on their training. You start to really show that what you're learning in college can apply to what you're doing in your role. Damn. And then you get harder and harder to replace. Okay. So now you're hard to replace. We cannot lose Eddie. You know, we know that he's only making 17. Now he's at $18 an hour, but that's the max cap. Like our district manager's already mad at us because we pay you that. And really all you do is just put stuff on hangers, right? right? You just do it really well and the team loves you. So now we have to, we've come to a crossroads now where you have outgrown your job, mm-hmm. right? You still come to work, you do it, yep. you've outperformed, but now your skills and talents and knowledge have now exceeded the role that you're in. What do you do? You go on corporate, the corporate website for Target and you start looking at human resources positions and now there's opportunity for growth and expansion and now Let's just say you want to get married, you want a 401k, now's the time for you to take on a bigger responsibility in exchange for more compensation. But here's here's the thing. People are not willing to do that. Right. People are willing to only do their job. Right. Right. I want to I want you to pay me more for doing the job that you you hired me to do within the job description that will follow it. And then they're wondering and they're upset. This is why 85% of Americans think that they're underpaid is because they're they're thinking because I've been here for a long time, because I know how to do the job or because I do my job well, I should get paid more. But no, you do your job you, well is what you signed up to get paid we for. We expect that, right? right? We expect you if to you do your job, your job really well. That's poorly, why you, get the 3%, you shouldn't work here. That's why you get the 3% raise every year right. because we feel like because you're still here. We're going to give you a little more money. But I will say that the the younger generation these days, uh, I I don't want to sound old. So if you're guilty of this, check yourself. But the younger generation is like, well, I feel like if I'm doing a better job than everyone else, I should get paid more. Mm, Maybe the manager's not doing a very good job of firing the people that are not doing their job. But also holding them accountable or training them or whatever. When you outperform. But when you are doing your job, Within the job description, not going above and beyond, not do so like this younger generation thinks like I do a better job than everyone else who sucks. And also like I probably made this company a bunch of money. Right. And that's where that's where you have to stop, because mm-hmm. here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you do your job better than everyone else. That gets you in the game for a promotion right. that gets you into the game for more responsibility you have to outperform your role and then you have to look at how do I become, how do I start doing the other person's job mm-hmm. that 
gets paid more. And that's where people go, oh, I'm not paid to do that. It's yeah. not one of my biggest that's pet peeves is that's not my job. That I drives me it. up the wall. I go, mm-hmm. it will never be your job. Yep. If it's not your job. And you're right? also always going to be broke if always. you have the mentality of that's not you my have job. To, like, I, I'm I, not getting paid for that. Like Janelle just said, I worked when I first got to this company, the, the company uh, we, we worked we worked at together. I started seasonal mm-hmm. and I part time, part time. And then a year and a half, I was a sales manager of that store. Mm-hmm. You only do that when you do more than what's that required for, of you. Right. And not, not only do you do, you do that, but you stay a little bit longer. I remember right. Clocking out. I would clock out and go back to work. Right. Because I couldn't have overtime. Mm -hmm. Because I wanted it more than anyone else. Right. Right. You're hungry. You're hungry. And so when you talk about negotiating your value and all those kind of things, you have to ask yourself, what is your value and what are you willing to do that no one else is willing to do so that you can have the things that other people don't have? Right. And that's a big one. Here's another one I want to talk about, though, is when your life changes or your life circumstances change. And now all of a sudden you go to your employer and it's now your employer's problem. So I spoke about this in a previous episode. I can't remember what episode it was, but someone came to me and said, hey, so, you know, my 30th birthday's coming up. I've been here for two years. I really want to buy a house with my wife. And I really, um, I really want to just, I want some more stability. I just, I want to work for a company that has healthcare options, you know, paid time off, holiday time, whatever, 401k. And I was like, my response was like, wow, that's really awesome. What can I do to help you like, you know, perfect your resume? Cause you just basically, and has your skills you outworked yourself from this current position. I can't even let you go back in there and work now because I know that you're upset. Right. Well, your so skills said, hasn't even matched your lifestyle you want. But yeah. So I said, well, I get that you're 30 now, but does that mean she goes, well, you know, I'm an adult. Like I want to earn more now. And I go, but so what's your skill set? Like now that you're 30, is there a new skill? And she goes, well, I mean, I've gotten way better at the stuff that I do over the last few years. And you're right. You have. But basically everything you just ran down the list of my company doesn't offer that. I'm not in a position to offer that. So I don't think this is a good company for you to work for anymore if that's the type of life that you're trying to, you know, live. However, I want to give you some feedback because I love you. And just as a friend, if you're saying your life circumstances and expectations have changed, then you also have to change what you're doing every day. Mm-hmm. You've got to either go to school. Mm-hmm. You've got to become a dental hygienist. You've got to <laughs> go back, go to nursing school. You've got to get your broker's license, your real estate license. Like if you're looking to make a certain amount of money, you have to take on a position that warrants making more money. But the There most- are certain jobs that just you're going to outgrow. Like McDonald's pays minimum wage because it's not designed for you to be there until you retire. Right. It's just not. It's not a mastery position. Right. So you can start there, you know, build a foundation, and then your job in life is to keep adding tools to your tool belt so you can increase the value of your worth so that you can command a higher rate of pay. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting that some people are just like, well, you know, working at Carl's Jr., it's such hard work and they only pay them their employees $15 an hour. It's usually for entry-level people that have never even had a job before. When I started hiring entry-level 17-year-olds with no job experience, I got to tell you, secretly, I wish that they would have paid me 
because I was giving you lifelong training that's going to help you be better for another company, that's going to help you earn a higher rate of pay after you leave here. Some of the girls I hired had never mopped a floor in their life. Yeah, They had never exchanged hundreds or thousands of dollars with any human being ever in history. I taught them negotiation skills. I taught them communication skills. I taught them confidence. I taught them how to clean. I taught them how to interact with the public, right? Those are things that your first job provides for you. Yeah, And so sometimes what you're getting and who you can become is not always in the form of compensation. And so that's the last point that I want to leave you with. Eddie and I are very much of of sound mind that when we take on a position of any rate of pay, we're more interested in who we're going to become working for that organization or contributing to that organization than we really are what the pay is going to be. Oh, 100%. And because I know that if Apple offers you a position that's a high level elite position, you're going to be intrigued by being able to impact people in that organization as a leader, right? Right. And then you can have room to negotiate your rate of pay or whatever it may be. But there's going to be certain positions in life that are opportunities that come to you that you have to ask yourself, maybe the pay isn't exactly what I want, but what could I become? What skills can I develop? How will this help me in the future if I do decide to sign up for this position? Absolutely. And then one of the things that, and I'll, I'll leave you with this. One of the things we talk about our students when it comes to entrepreneurship is, is like you are paid based on the problems that you solve. Right. No different than if you're part of a career, you're paid on, you can make a career and you can have a really great sal- uh, salary solving problems. Right. But you won't become wealthy until you start creating problems. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by creating problems is that you you bring things to the table. You create ideas that th- people have to solve and bring to, and manifest and bring to, to the table. You you s- inspire people to want more. And so now they have a problem because now they're trying to aspire for more things in their career. Like all of those things bring in a tremendous amount of wealth in dollars and also in knowledge. Mm-hmm. But And I think that's super important for people to realize is that when you think about right now, as you're listening to the Push podcast, what problems are you creating in your in your position? And I'm not saying that you're costing people money. What I'm talking about is problems like I am elevating everyone. And so now as I elevate everyone, now we have to figure out where we're going to go next. That's a big problem. And all of a sudden, that is what brings a lot of wealth. When you say creating a problem, I feel like you have to clarify that because I think an employee would say, create a problem. Like you want me to cause issues yeah, at so work for, with my so innovation. Coworkers? So I want people to realize this innovation is about is about creating problems. Anytime you come up with an idea, you have to now solve it from a standpoint of how do I make this become reality? Mm-hmm. That's called creating a problem. For example, Steve Jobs created a problem when he came up with the iPhone because now people who didn't think that they needed anything like didn't even know it exists now they had to have it. Mm-hmm. So now they have to buy it. So for mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, when you create something people have to have, you're a problem creator. Mm-hmm. In the workforce, if you come up with an idea of how we can operate differently and how we can be more efficient, how we can make more money. All of a sudden, now you've created problems for people to say, okay, now we have to create that system. We have to bring it to the mm-hmm. table. We have to find, the we have to find a way to make it happen. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing idea. But it doesn't mean like create a bunch of problems and report stuff. Like, no. hey, just to let you know, no. my computer breaks every five no, no, minutes. No, 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 no. Like, okay, I just want to clarify because when you say be a problem, 
No, I didn't say be a problem. problem. I said create problems like from to innovation to, that to needs solve. to be solved, right? Instead of just solving the problem, meaning doing your job every right. single day. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, last thing. When we're working with our entrepreneurs, our business owner clients, the one thing that I want you to be careful of the language, which you kind of used earlier, I want to clarify. Know that as an employee, you're not doing your employer a favor. Like I hate if you're a boss, I don't want you to ask your employees, hey, can you do me a favor? You're not asking someone to do you a favor because you're paying them to be there. Mm -hmm. So I think language is really important. If you're the kind of boss that says like, hey, can you do me a favor and come in tomorrow? Well, I'm not really doing you a favor. I'm actually being paid to do this. So be careful with your language as an employer and also be careful with your language as an employee. If you work for a boss, that's always like, oh, yeah, I remember when you did me that favor or I did you a favor. Like, just know that that word shouldn't really be used in business, because if you're on the clock being paid to do something, you're being paid. It's not a favor. <laughs> a favor is, hey, I got to run to the grocery store. Can you come over to my house and watch my kid for 20 minutes? That's a favor. For free. <laughs> for free. Right. But hiring a babysitter to come over every Thursday so you can have a date night. That's not a favor. That's a job. Yeah. So I just think it's important, especially for the female entrepreneurs out there. A lot of times your employees don't respect you or you don't have that authoritative presence that you should because you're using really simple words like favor. Yeah. And it feels good, but it's not. Your job is not to make things feel good. And you don't have to say, hey, can you go do that? You can say, hey, when you're done with that, do you think you could take a look at this or whatever. Mm -hmm. Do you think you could add this to your task list? Awesome. Thank you. But I'm not yeah. asking you to do a favor. Yeah, that's great. Don't do me any favors. <laughs> Don't do me any favors. But um, this is a great conversation. I think that we'll probably have to re go back to this because I think what people will be left with is that, well, okay, the self-esteem portion of it. Yeah. Like people not so feeling we need another like, episode yeah, on confidence. Yeah, that they're not worth it. Mm -hmm. And they don't ask for it because they feel like they're own, they're barely worth what they've been offered. Mm -hmm. And I think that that we have to help crack the code for people. I got it. Let's do it. Next episode. Peace. All about confidence and your worth. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review, leave your handle. And until next time, push through.